You're listening to the You Don't Know Me Yet Podcast Network. Welcome, everyone. This is Stephanie Boutte with Me Time with Stephanie. And today is a special day. I know all of you are are like, what's Stephanie going to be talking about today? Well, I invited Yurima Karima to visit with me because this is my friend. For those of you who follow me, you know I've been on his shows many times, and he's agreed to, to come and visit with me today. And I'm so excited. I'm like super excited because this is a conversation we're going to have today that he and I we talk, we talk about so many things, right, Eurema? But today, we're going to focus on black love, men roles, women roles. It's, sometimes our conversations get so deep when we talk, and we're like, we got to bring this on the podcast. So I want you guys to take a moment and, and, and join me to welcome Eurema Karima um, to Me Time with Stephanie Boutte. Welcome, Eurema. How you doing, Steph? It's so great to be on your show. It's so great. And, and let me clarify, it's Karama. It's Karama. Everybody gets the thinks it's an I, but it's it's really Yurima Karama. Yeah, I'm, I know it's a tongue twister. And you know why? You know why you gotta correct me? Because I just call you my Yurima. Yes, 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 <laughs> okay. yes, yes. It's so great to be on though, Steph, and I appreciate you. And this is a um this is an very important topic uh that is on all social media networks and waves right now. So I'm glad that you're having this discussion. You and I, I want to capture some of the conversations that we have off the air because they be so deep. And I'm I'm hoping that today we could cover that. And Troy's going to, Troy's here. He's going to lead with a lot of stuff that I'm missing. But one of the things that, is it okay if I just get right into our conversation? Because, you know, I'm like excited and I haven't even had my coffee yet. So, um, Yurima, one one of the things that we were we were talking about um, when we were single, I don't know if you're still single, but I know I'm still single, and I, I walk around with this I wouldn't say chip on my shoulder, but it's like as I watch Black Love, I get so confused at at being single now because it's like they have all these terms. Like I'm gonna give you an example. I overheard a lady say somebody was thirsty because a man was showing interest in her. And and so as I'm listening to her call him thirsty, I didn't know really what thirsty was. So I just started talking about it and asking people. And I, I, I remember saying, well, and when I'm dating, that's called dating. That's called courting. That's called pursuing. It's not thirsty to me if a man... Normally, a man, if he knows what he wants, he's going to go after it. Am I correct? And so that's what I thought. Well, absolutely, Steph. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm, I am in a relationship with the, with, the, with the beautiful goddess right now. And, and one of the first things, to your point, is when, when she and I first started talking, um, she was adamant. She said, I don't chase men. You know, she said, I don't chase men. And... I, I expect to be courted. I expect for a man to show interest and men that 
show interest, they will pursue. And I, I think that the, the, the dynamics of relationships have changed so much because there's been so much that hasn't been passed down. I think that what has been passed down um, is a lot of dysfunctional uh, actions. And so when you see somebody say that um, this man, or if you see a woman saying, oh, he's thirsty because he's showing interest, that's the dysfunctional aspect of relationships that has been passed down. I think that men, men pursue what they want, uh, whether that be uh, from a, a job perspective, an entrepreneurial perspective, whether that be a woman, if a man has interest in a woman, he's going to pursue. Now, from a spiritual aspect, I think that uh, I don't use the word chase. I would rather use pursue uh, because I think when you're chasing something, it's 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 trying to flee you or get away. That's kind of how mentally I have diagnosed that. But to pursue, um, that just means that you have an interest in this person and you want to get closer with them. You're pursuing them. And so I don't see anything wrong with that. I think that's a natural element with that 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 men have with with us. And isn't that interesting when you say that that's like you, you made a little statement about our upbringing. And one of the things that I always humble myself with was the fact that I was um, raised by my grandmother and my grandfather, and I was always around um, my great-grandparents. So I was always around couples. So I got to see gender roles. I got to see black love at its finest. When I tell you at its finest, I, I've seen it growing up in so many homes. And so now when I see it, it's like, I, I, sometimes I feel sorry for the black man because it's like women, black women have been so programmed to be some kind of superwoman or it's like we so much has been put on a black woman to a point where I think the the feminine energy is weak. And, and I don't know if that's the appropriate word, but it's like, when do we come down? And when we do come down, the men have been exposed to so much turmoil to a point where they have to recalibrate just to experience our feminine energy. It's like, like, a, like I remember, I always say this, I remember all the time my grandmother just creating an ambiance for my grandfather and always sitting on his lap and always like encouraging him and everything was always a big deal. And, and, and he, you know, he did the same thing. And so now it's like, what's your role? You know, like, what is it? Women being men? You know, it's like, I, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts on that, Yurima? Because, you know, we could go on with that. Well, I, I think when we talk about generational changes, um, you had a system at one point where the, the black woman has always been the, the matriarch and the backbone of uh, not only the community, but the family. And so at one point she was allowed to play that role, be in that role. And then, um, then of course you had the feminist movement, uh, which was orchestrated by Gloria Steinem and, and, and the CIA. Uh, and if you look that up, that they, they paid Gloria Steinem. She was a paid person. And under that movement, you know, it was women were now allowed to women fighting. We want to be the same and equal as men. And so what you have now, and I think that black men have to be careful and black women as well. 
black women are doing so much. They're, they, they have to, they're taking care of children. They're going out into the workforce. In many cases, that glass ceiling that, that people talk about, black men aren't included in that. And so now if you have a black woman that's going out, if she's in the workforce or she's a boss in the workforce, it's, I think it becomes difficult for her to transition from that role when she gets back home to the role of being uh, uh, with her man or her person, if she has one. And so the problem I think is starting to come where the black woman is saying, you know what, uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing it all. So if you're not coming with equal or more, and this is a programming, this is a programming, uh, 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 predictive programming that has been implemented by the larger society. And so now the black man is met with an uphill battle because the average black man in the country is making what, 55 to 65,000, 55 to 60,000, something like that. And so, um, which is, which is a good wage if, if, if he's able to connect with that black woman that is making about the same or a little bit more, or maybe a little bit less, uh, but if they're combining their resources, but the society is saying, you know, no woman, you can do it on your own. You don't need a man. And so this is creating a rift within the genders. And so now black men are feeling away, black women are feeling away. And I think that if we can get away from that predictive programming that has been implemented by the same the same governmental body that has wanted to make sure that the foundation of black love was destroyed and divided remember the nucleus of our community is the black family and so if you can if you can dismantle that um that unit then you can keep a group of people controlled and that's what we're doing. So, yes. And so what do we do? Like, this is what, what I've done in my home. And I don't know if it just individually starts in your home. But when I was divorced from my children's father, it was my choice. So I felt like I really had to do more than my part because I broke my children's family up. My ex-husband, I broke his family up. So I had to figure out a way to lead by example. And I say that when you said that, I was thinking about my daughter. I, I had to still teach her the things that was taught to me. So she, even though sometimes I would get bitter, I had a lot going on, but I was always in tune to what I did around my children because I didn't want the disparities and the, the trauma that I was going through to pass it down onto them. I didn't want her to feel like she don't need a man. You know, it's like, I remember going through my storm, but I never said anything to a point where I said anything negative about her father or anything that was going on. She was a grown woman before she really realized everything that I had been through. But I did, I did that on purpose because I didn't want her to be, to think it was okay to demoralize a black man, even in times of, of, of struggle. And so, and because I watched it growing up. So now I am this woman that, that was taught all these traditional things about black love. So I have to figure out a way to pass it on to my daughter. And so 
we were having this conversation, you and I, about who are our young black women, and, I'm, and, and I know the black males, we, got, we could talk about them, but who are our black women seeing? Like my daughter, she got to see me. She got to see my mother. She got to see my grandmother. So we were able to, um, and you see her today, she kind of act like me, my mama, my grandmother. But it, I think about all these other women that they never around men. If the father's not in the home or if he's, they don't have brothers that's there. So it's like they, there's a disconnect there, especially when there's no black male around. You could you could come in the room, Eurema, you have the most pleasant voice and you could say something to a young black woman that's never around a black male and, and say, um, good morning. And if she don't say good morning, you'll say good morning. You're hostile because they don't, they don't understand that they, they don't know. So I don't know. What, what do you, what do you think some of the things that we could do to kind of help our, this, we're in, we're in a bad shape. We're in a bad place right now. Well, I, I think the biggest thing that we can do, honestly, um, is turn off the tell lie vision. Um, because, because there was a point in the 90s and going into the 2000s, the late 90s and going into the 2000s, where VH1, BET, uh, 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 MTV at that time, uh, and a couple of those companies, if not all of them, were owned by Viacom after Bob Johnson sold uh, BET. But those were the outlets that raised our children. Because when you have parents that have to work, when you have a large incarceration rate of black men, and you have a mother that has to get out here and get it, well, those those outlets raised our children. And so, you know, if I come into that room, like you say, um, and say something to a young black woman, just being kind. And I've been in those situations where I've op just opened a door. There's no expectation on my part of anything other than just being kind, opening a door for a sister. And she'll look at me like, what are you doing? Like, and not that doesn't have the call to say thank you or anything. So I think that, you know, when you have an industry that promotes people like Nicki Minaj, Beyonce, Megan Thee Stallion that are saying you don't need a man that are reinforcing that through song. Um, these have been the the groups that our women look up to. And on the flip side, there are groups that our men uh, look up to that that are dysfunctional as well. And so I think that we have to get away from that. We have to actually get back in spaces where we talk one on one or in groups and get off the social media because the social media is an outlet that has been created to a, another mechanism to keep us divided. So if I'm in a conversation with you and I get uncomfortable and I don't like how it's going and I don't like what you say, I can just block you in, in, and block you out. We need to get back in spaces where we can, where we can talk and have those conversations. Um, we also have to remember that, you know, and this is this is real stuff, <clears throat> and maybe you can attest to this. And and I, 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 one thing with our talks, you always big up black women. I love that. I mean, you always big up black men, and I love that. Uh, and and you don't talk about black men in a negative light. Here's the reality, though, for the average black woman. And when I mentor young black men, this is what I tell them: the average black woman that goes out into society. If she's going, if she's going to get welfare, 
that's going to come from a white man. If she's going for a job interview, she's usually going to be talking to a white man. If she wants to start a business, she's going to deal with a white man. Everything that she sees out here as far as control and power is white men. And so if she's seen that and she's and then she goes into the workforce, whether as a boss or whether as an employee. And she and she starts to raise her economic status. She sees less and less of us in those positions. It's going to be very difficult for her to come home to a black man. Who either is making less or for her not to come home to a black man, because every everything she's seeing out here is white controlled and owned. Now that's that's a problem that we as black men need to address. Because we as black men need to be digging our heels in, fighting for every inch of the planet. Powerful. I I never thought about it that way. You know, I'm that woman. When I um, when I married my husband in 2006, he was a fireman, and so. I didn't even, it was weird. I didn't even know how much money he made until one day he, we had a family meeting and I was like, well, what is this? And he said, it's my paycheck. And I was like, well, how often do you get it? And he was like, once a month. And I was like, you're poor. He just thought that was so funny. Like I had married somebody. I didn't even know how much money they made. And he says, Stephanie, that's what firemen's make. And and I'm not saying I'm, I'm any better, but I, I had like 10 times that. So I was just like looking at him like, how are you? Because he, he seemed like he was living a good life. But even though I made more money, I came home every day and I cooked. My husband was still the leader in our family. He did all the budgeting. He did. Um, he led the family. Like he, we would have family meetings. He, I was a very, very humble, submissive type woman because of the just the upbringing. But for the most part, I enjoyed it. You know, like I enjoyed running home. I used to literally ride on the sidewalk to get home to cook for my husband. I wanted him to smell the food before he would come home. That was like a big deal to me. But it, it gave me joy because he was so strong and because he led our family. Like even today, my boys, they do things and people call me and they'll say, girl, you wouldn't believe what your son just did. And, I, and every time I hear something that my kids do, I always say, that's my husband. Oh, they act just like my husband. So you're absolutely right. It's like our men have to be strong. But for the most part, Yurima, I'm going to be honest with you. I, see, I still see a lot of these men out there. And that's the, but they're considered, um, a lot of women, they don't like nice guys. They don't want somebody to sometimes to take care of them. Um, I, I, you know, like I'm attracted to nice guys. And the rest just come into play for me. But how do we, <clears throat> as a, as leaders, as mentors, mentor, I wouldn't even say the younger generation. I have friends that are in their 50s and 60s, and some of their talk, I'm like, wow. And you could tell that they didn't see a lot of black love just by the mentality. And because I'm going to give you an example, and I'm going to let you um, take this. I get so confused when I hear men or women say the things that they have to have in a mate when they're dating or when they're meeting someone and they don't have it to give. Like you want a man that makes six figures or a woman that makes six figures and you don't make it. 
or you want this and you don't do that. You know, it's like, it's so weird. Like, what do you bring to the table? The, somebody always wants you to have these qualities, but then you never, ha you look at yourself and like, okay, I want this, but am I bringing this to the table? Am I hardworking? Do I have a pension? I, you know, I heard somebody say, well, he got to have a pension. And I was like, do you have one? I don't know. And, you know, and then the, the conversation changed. So <laughs> I don't know. It's just, that's, that's just my take on it. I, how do we mentor them? What do we do? You know, we know the problems. You and I, we, we talk about it all the time. Well, and I think that, that, you know, even when we talk incomes and things like that, um, that's that programming again. And I think that you've had, so you said something very important here earlier when you started, you said you had examples growing up as a young girl. You had your mother and father, you had your grandmother and grandfather. Um, so, so those relationships or that relationship structure was reinforced. I think a lot of our young people aren't seeing that. They're just not seeing that. They're not seeing those images. We're, we're a people that we visualize, which is why we're so tapped into things like social media, because we visually want to see it. There's other groups, they can hear it. You know, they say men, men see with their eyes and women hear with their ears. But we as a group of people, as black people, we, we, we see. And so when we don't see, then those images can't be reinforced. What we need to do as a part of a solution is reinforce those, um, those relationships that are successful. And I'm not talking about with the celebrities. Um, I'm talking about regular, p normal people in everyday society. I wanna see the black woman and black man that are homeschooling their children and successfully running a, a business and they're making it work. Those stories exist. I remember doing a, I remember doing a uh, stream years ago on the Bush family out of, out of Florida. And they had not, not, not the Bushes that were the black Bush family that had, I think, what, seven children and they were homeschooling them and the children were, were graduating at early rates and going to college young. And these, this was a successful black couple. They're not celebrities, but they're celebrities in my eyesight because they're doing even more than what celebrities do. Um, I have personal friends that do that. They homeschool. They've been married 23 years. Do they have obstacles and challenges within the confines of the relationship? Absolutely, because nothing is perfect, but they're making it work. We need, and, and it's not even about necessarily homeschooling, but we need to key in on those successful black relationships. So just as many as um, for all the for all the relationships that are not successful, for all the people that complain about relationships, we need to show the positive relationships. We need to we need to counter that because it's a balance to life. I'm in a great relationship right now, and all aspects we let it flow. All aspects of uh, what black men say. Oh, these women don't do this. These women don't do that. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a passport brother because, well, I, I got a passport too, but I didn't have to go across seas to find this goddess. She's right here in the U.S. She's beautiful. And she does all of those things that we're talking about. She does all the things that you. And so there are, there are 
sisters, black women, there are black men in this society that are great. And we need to, some of them need to find one another, but even more importantly, those relationships that are successful, we need to uh, uh, highlight exactly. Listen, when you said that, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about whenever I, I went to the Zulu ball last, um, in March, I think it was, for in New Orleans, and they had all these married couples there. And the, the people that were sitting at our table, I was in awe with them. I literally stared at them the whole night. They were dancing and and he was just all, just going crazy over his wife. And you could tell they've been married almost 40 years. And at one point they were kissing, <laughs> and they were like in their 60s. But it was so refreshing for me to see, even though I see that at home. And so when you said that, I was thinking, Maybe we could start doing events where we invite married couples and are something where these younger, where people can see them in action. Because when I go to family reunions or stuff like that, it's so healthy for me to see and it kind of brings me back. But, and, I, and like you said, I think it comes back with us. Like I'm like, my son, he, he called me one day and he was complaining about his girlfriend and what she don't do and she, so, I don't think the conversation went the way he wanted. And so he was complaining all these things about her. And I, and I said to myself, well, I said, it looks like you're looking for a mom. I said, if she, listen, if she don't cook, that don't define your relationship. I said, you know how to cook? Why don't you cook? As hard as she works, sometimes when she get home, that's the last thing on her mind. He said, I ain't thought about it like that. I said, yeah, and you complain about the house being dirty and this and that. Help her. Won't you clean up a little bit more? <laughs> Won't you? Yeah. So. I got a question for you guys. Yes. This is Troy, behind the scenes producer. <laughs> and as a man who's been married for 30 years, I find that people focus on black love. And I want you guys' opinion on is love enough? No. As a man who's been married 30 years, I think it's not even the top one, two, or three, but we seem to focus on that because it looks well. Mm -hmm. So what are you guys' opinion on that? I, th I think, it, well, for me, <clears throat> I think it's reciprocity. And I think in relationships, that's not what happens. It's normally the man doing more or the woman. It's never doing because it makes you happy or you want to see them happy. It's sometimes there's a little selfishness in it. And I don't believe that love tops all. I think I never think about marriage anymore because at my age and, and where I'm at in life, it's more of a partnership for me. Um, I'm not trying to have kids. You know, I don't need, and it may be, it, it, it just depends where you are. It may be love for me. You, you get where I'm going? But um, I think in relationships now like you said love is not the key but people just want to be at peace and want to be happy that's the new wealth now being at peace and being happy so if you find a mate and you're not really really in madly in love and y'all happy together and y'all do whatever it is y'all do together i think that's still a good place what do you think Yurima? uh troy i totally agree i think that <clears throat> because love comes from a place of loving yourself so if you love yourself and you come into contact with it, it, once you love yourself and you know yourself coming into contact with others, just being beings, uh, uh, 
there's going to be love that flows from that. For me, I think it's more about compatibility and uh, peace. Does this person bring you peace? Are you compatible? Do you have things that uh, goals and visions that you're both working towards? Are you on the same path? Because you can have two great people, but they just might not mesh well together. And that's okay. There's, there's nothing wrong with that because there is somebody that they can mesh well with. But when you're talking long-term, brother, if you've been in, you know, married for 30 years, it's absolute love wasn't the only thing that kept you together. I mean, and, and so for me, it's compatibility. How do we talk? How do we speak with one another? Are, are, is there anything to talk about outside of this particular subject? Or uh, are, are we building something together? Are we on the same flow, the same page? Do we want some of the same things in life? Do we have some of the same uh, uh, hobbies? Do we have some of the, you know, it's how well we mesh together. And when you have that type of person in your life, well, we now we can talk about a 30, 40, 50 year union, you know, and because this is a person that you want to move with because love changes over the course of time. It just does. And, 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 and you might love a person differently 10 years from now than you do right now because people evolve. We evolve. And that's, and let me tell you, Wow. I, I, I agree with that. I think every seven years, something should change. I heard a pastor say one time on a radio show, um, a guy was like, oh, I'm in a woman with red hair. And um, <laughs> he, he wasn't attracted to his wife anymore. So the pastor was like, just buy her a red, red wig. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. You know, but for me, I just think we have to figure out how to start being more of an example and mentors and, and for, cause I do it all the time. Like I watch my children and I don't sugarcoat anything with them. Even when I'm at my daughter's house, I'll say things like, you know, you're a married woman, you know, and your husband should see a beautiful woman. Like if she's working and I'm like, Oh, your husband going to be home from work. Look nice. I've been here for four days and you looking like that. Let him see a beautiful woman and she'll go and she'll change or she'll look nice. Little bitty things like that. I think is something that we need to start teaching our kids and talking to them because I'm in the school business. So I'm always talking to these young women about carrying themselves and the way they talk. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's like, I feel like a fish out of water when I talk about relationships and love and black love, because the way I see it, most of the men and the women around me don't see it that way. It's, it's, it's totally different. Like the black love I'm starting to see with the younger generation is more like a, um, a roommate type environment. Like everything is, it's like, there's no leader of the house anymore. It's like, we just do everything, which is fine. If it works for you, that's fine. But it's like at some point as a black man, you know how we, how black men are. They, they, they just feel a certain way about their black woman and their home. They, their home is literally their castle. When, when men are in relationships, their home is their castle. So as women, what are we doing? But I don't know, Troy, you got me thinking now. <laughs> well, two, 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 I think that, you know, when we talk about solutions, it would behoove us to start with, uh, and I think that this should start 
with our, our young black kindergartners on up. I think a key, a key especially because I'm, uh, we have things going on right now, but I'm always looking for the future, for the future generations after we're gone. We need to start teaching communication classes. How do we communicate with one another? That's, that's a major, like if you can't, if you can't communicate effectively with your person, or you can't communicate effectively if you're pursuing a woman and she can't communicate with you, it's going to be short-lived. Social media killed that. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was saying earlier. Like we have to get out of this vibe. We have to get in spaces where we are actually seeing face to face, because if you remember, you know, talking about your, your grandmother and grandfather, I'm sure that over the course of their long tenure together, their long relationship together, I'm sure that they went through things, but guess what? They didn't have, they didn't, they didn't have a block button where they, they had to deal with it. They had to work through that. And every little, every little challenge that they had to work through brought them stronger together. And I bet you, and you can testify to this yay or nay step, but I bet you they were a unified force. I bet you they weren't letting nobody else come in and dismantle what they had built. I was a kid and I watched my uncle go to jail and the, he would call from the jail, collect call from Jerome. My grandfather would answer the phone and said no. And so when he would leave, he knew when my grandfather was gone and my grandmother would answer the phone and say collect call from Jerome and she'd say no. He, they were together, even though it would kill her, you know, that was her baby. She never went against my grandfather. And I watched that. It's like, they were always on the same page. Don't come behind my, my, his back and ask me. He said, no, I said, no. Even though she, I knew she would disagree with him, but never in front of their kids. And so th those things were very powerful for me to see as a young girl. And, and I brought it into my marriages. My husband, even though I disagreed, I would share my opinion, but I always respected the fact that every decision he made was out of love and it came from a good place. So I had to trust his decisions. You know, it's very interesting to me because um, we look at our grandparents and our grandmothers, um, like my mother, she couldn't sign a lease when she married my father. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and oftentimes women went from there their father's house to their husband's house. Um, and so they didn't have the option, right? Mm -hmm. I remember when I first got married, my wife stayed at home for the first 20 years. She took care of the kids and, you know, did the traditional stuff. And I went out and worked. And so we had a, a need. We needed each other. But now as empty nesters, we have to switch because our kids are grown. And now we have to be in a want-based relationship. We have to want each other. And more to what Yurima was saying is, we have, or at least I have looked at what is 50 years from now look like? You know what I mean? And so will I be mad about something five years from now? And if not, I just, I just deal with it because I want to look back. I want people, I want my ancestors to look and say, that's grandpa Troy and, and grandma Tamara, and this is what they did for the family. And I think we think too short term and I think we stay in our feelings. Oh, of course. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. And so, but I, I said a whole bunch right there, but I was saying is that I think it was grandma who was telling granddaughters and daughters, hey, don't be like me. 
go out here, get your education, get your own, and don't depend on a man. But then told the young boys, you got to take care of a woman. So we raise women to be independent. We raise boys to to take care of people. What do you guys think about that before we wrap up? That's true. You're right, Mama. Let you lead with that. Um, I, yeah, I, I that that's absolutely true. I've I've actually um, I remember going into some households uh, with some some young men and parent and mothers that I was mentoring, and I remember this one particular case um, where I went in and the uh, 15 year old daughter who had gone to school that day was putting on her Wendy's uniform to go to work. And the 16 year old son who had gone to school that day was sitting back on the couch, feet propped up playing an Xbox. And I was telling the mother, I said, well, you know, this, this picture, um, you're, you're, you're creating, you're, you're setting your son up for failure because the society is not going to be kind to him. He should be out doing something just as you've allowed the daughter to do. I, so I, I, Troy, I think it's a little bit opposite. I think that sometimes the, the, the boys, because there might not be a man in the household, uh, what I'm seeing is that the, the, the boy children are not, uh, because the woman wants to protect her boy child so much, is not giving the full tools that are necessary for him to survive in a society that wants to destroy him. And so, but preparing the daughter to go out and do what is necessary. And what do we see in the current, in the current flow of life? We see black women getting all kinds of positions and not saying that black men aren't there because we know that they're not highlighted, but not at the level that, 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 our black women are being propelled into these positions. And so it's a, the balance is off. I would say that I think that people need to work on themselves first. We need to do self checks. We need to do shadow work because spirituality is a big part of this. We're bringing things from past relationships. We're bringing traumas from childhood and we're bringing them into the relationships. People are getting butt hurt and not wanting to stick around because they're not dealing with their luggage from past, whether it be past relationships, whether it be childhood, we need to work on that and clean the slate. People are jumping into relationships today, being out of them tonight and being in a new relationship tomorrow and not realizing that, you know what? I haven't worked on me. The most important key is me, what I can do. And people are quick to pass the blame. But from a spiritual aspect, what happens is that you go through this cycle of meeting people. It doesn't work out. You meet this man or you meet this woman. It doesn't work out. Then you go and meet another woman. And the same thing, you're seeing a different person in a different body, but you're having the same experience. Why is that rotation going? Because the universe is reflecting the work that you haven't done on yourself. So people are coming into relationships, mirroring one another because they're not working on themselves. That's the first aspect. If you don't work on yourself, uh, 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 you're sabotaging the future of any relationship that you're in. That's powerful. And you know what? We, we're going to leave on that note. Um, oh, you're hearing <laughs> that was good. I think I learned something today. I just want to thank all of you for joining us with Me Time with Stephanie and our special, special guest, Yurima Karama. 
Did I say? <laughs> so we're gonna uh, we're gonna close today, and I want to thank you guys again. Have a wonderful day.